Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto, broadcasting from Leander, Texas. It is, what is it, 7, 721 in the morning, <clears throat> and uh, it's July 5th, 2022. Um, I was going to broadcast over the weekend, and I tried to yesterday and the day before, but I kind of had writer's block. I, I just didn't really um, have a firm grasp on, well, I never really have a firm grasp on what I'm going to say, but um, <clears throat> I just uh, I couldn't figure out what to talk about. You know, I wanted to talk something about like freedom and autonomy and financial autonomy for July 5th. But then at the same time, I wanted to talk about some other projects and I don't know, it just wasn't coming together for me, but here I am today on July 5th and, uh, doing a show and who knows what we'll talk about. I never know what I'm going to talk about. Who am I kidding, man? Um, anyway, this is my morning video blog and, uh, my brain dump of all the news and ideas and things that I read. I've been reading a lot lately. I did a bookstore run and uh, I got this book. I just finished this, The Richest Man in Babylon. And it's just kind of like a parable style, um, you know, tale, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but to some Sumerian texts were discovered and uh, translated back in the 30s. And, um, uh, you know, this person made a, a story out of all those. And a lot of those texts were financial transactions between people. And so um, he ended up making all these parable type stories with all these financial transaction texts, um, from the Sumerian texts. And it turns out to be like 5,000 year old financial advice that is extremely relevant today as well. So I definitely give this book a high, a high read. Um, so it may be a high read if you're into that, but uh, you know, it's not something I do, but Hey, you know, to each their own. Um, then I got this book. I'm right in the middle of it. F.A. Hayek, the road to serfdom. And this one is um, a lot about the differences between collectivism and individualism and uh, about uh, you know, socialism and how right after world, this book was written right after World War II or right before World War II, I believe. I somewhere right around then. And um, uh, just about how socialism was creeping into uh, the United Kingdom as well. But a lot of the, the content in here um, has been really popular for a lot of people in a lot of other countries around the world, including Americans as well, and is extremely relevant today with everything that is going on as far as all the lockdowns and restrictions are concerned and you know, doing things for the common good and uh, you know for the benefit of society you know against your own personal choice, things like that you know so, so it's a really good book in that aspect. Um, I don't really know what these two are about. This one is obviously this one is one of the the foundational texts of of uh, you know <laughs> uh, libertarianism and economics. Um, so <clears throat> I'm going to read this one next, and then I have this one, "Anti Fragile" by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, that I'll be reading as well. Uh, it's just kind of one of those random things. I went to Barnes and Nobles trying to keep the kids occupied, and um, was just like, okay. What is here? What can I remember off the top of my head that I've seen on Twitter? <laughs> That's basically it. Has led to my book choices. Um, so if you know of any books, let me know. I've I've been hearing a lot about uh, what what's her name? Uh, 
some lady, her last name's Ostrom, and she writes a lot about um, you know the the, the commons, you know, the, and uh, preserving the commons. And uh, there's like, for instance, um, uh, Gitcoin uses a lot of her philosophy, um, and. Uh, yeah, so I, and I've done some some um, some podcasts, some some shows that that surround that whole idea about the commons and tokenizing the commons. And the commons are things like you know the clean water, clean air, things like that that everybody uses. You know, and uh, how can that be tokenized in a way that it's 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 a public good but uh everybody can can benefit from it so i don't know interesting philosophies coming out of that so that that's like a whole opposite end of the spectrum from like these two you know so uh i like to read things from all different sides of the spectrum and try to find a mishmash and put things together in the middle you know because there is a middle ground i believe with just about everything um anyway so yeah, this is my uh, yeah, like I said, my brain dump where I sit here and try to regurgitate things that I've learned through articles, books, um, podcasts that I hear, and this is my my sandbox where I play around with audio visual equipment. I test out techniques and things that I've learned on YouTube, and then um, this is also my message in a bottle to be able to reach out to the Web three and blockchain and crypto community and uh, try to find other like-minded people out there, people that I can exchange ideas off of. And it's worked so far. I've joined DAOs. Um, I've learned just about everything that I've learned by talking to people that I've met just by flipping on this YouTube switch, you know? And a lot of people have imposter syndrome. They think, well, I'm not good enough or nobody would ever want to listen to me and all that stuff. You know, I mean, I don't care if you want to listen to me or not. This is just what I'm doing, man. You know, so, uh, and uh, a lot of people have some ideas, you know, and they come to me and they're like, well, I heard you mention this or that, you know, because what do you think about this and that? And then it just starts a conversation, you know, and um, it, it works and it's a way to build community for yourself. And a lot of times when you're learning, the best way to learn is through community with others. Um, anyway, so <clears throat> let's go over here to the old coin gecko and uh, let me get the, well, the screen is refreshing right now. Um, but uh the price action has still been red, still been bloody. Things, you know, I went to a 4th of July uh, party yesterday. Well, not really a party, just a few people at a pool. And, uh, you know, I was at well, the crypto markets in the dumps and all this stuff. And, you know, yeah, it is. You know, it's like you just... <laughs> You just got to be in it for the tech, like literally, you know, I am in it for the tech. There's something new coming out of the crypto market every day. Um, there's innovation being made. I mean, this crypto's been in a bubble. NFTs have been in a bubble. DeFi's have been in a bubble and that bubble has burst, you know, and this is the bear market right now. And <laughs> you just have to ride it through, put your head down, build, um, you know, learn. This is your time to really learn. And what you learn now will give you a major miles and miles of advantage by the time we have the next bull market come around because you'll be prepared for it. Because I got into crypto in 2018 right at the beginning of, or right during the middle of the last bear market. And so I, I had no idea what I was doing. Bitcoin to me was just kind of a way to make money. And uh, that's it. And then I started learning and more and more I learned about cryptography, the more like SHA-256, more I learned about 
the immutability of the blockchain. And then I started learning about DeFi and how the blockchain could be an avenue and a road for people to um, go completely uh, unbanked, you know, not unbanked, not like they, you know, they can't have access to a bank, but to where they don't need a bank, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, they could be freed from the shackles of the petty nickel and diming that the banks do to us, the systematic discrimination that the credit system does to us, you know, we, but it takes a little bit of responsibility because with great freedom comes great responsibility. We have to hold on to our private keys. You know, we have to bank, be a bank for ourselves. And, um, and this, just this whole idea of, you know, you doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, Bitcoin and, and a lot of DeFi projects, they don't look at that. You know, you just, you know, you just have to have collateral and you can borrow against it and do whatever you want and save whatever you want. And it's, it's all a hundred percent in your responsible realm and nobody's going to take care of that for you. And crypto is the wild west right now. And, uh, yes, there are scammers and there are grifters and there always will be whenever innovation occurs, there will be scammers and grifters and things like that. They said that about the internet when it first came out, you know, they were like, well, isn't the internet the place where drug dealers and pornographers and all that stuff hang out? Yes, yes, it is. You know? And, uh, you know, now they say, isn't crypto where they sit there and just drug dealers and money launderers? Yes, it's there, you know, like, and that's with any new innovation. And if you're going to, to go down those uncharted territories, you have to be aware of the dangers as well. And uh, I think it's it's a great way to learn and to provide personal growth for yourself is to, is to put yourself at some place where you have to fight those things, you know, and uh, <laughs> you win some battles and you lose some battles. But overall, it gives you experience in the entire war. So anyway, um, let's go over here. There's um, let me hold on. Let me pull up another window. And uh, I had the wrong window up. So let me just bear with me. Let me get the correct one. I saw this cool graphic on LinkedIn of all things. You know, LinkedIn's becoming like this place. LinkedIn used to be so lame, you know, like you just go on there and you have people just talking about their promotions and, you know, stuff like that. And it just, it just seemed fake to me and just to like, you know, a place for only networking. Um, and now then Facebook, you know, got taken over by, you know, <laughs> politics and uh not just politics but like ignorant politics a lot of people have called <laughs> facebook the trailer park of the internet uh but linkedin has actually gotten a little bit better you know and instagram got taken over by ads and same thing with facebook um so but um linkedin's gotten a little bit better some people are starting to post some like decent substantial content on there that's not based on politics and that's not you know totally personal and things like that you know not giving you some kind of personal sob story um so uh, i i found this graphic on there and it immediately caught my eye and the graphic has drawn some criticisms that it's just like you know um just too simplistic or a little misleading or whatever venn diagram but i mean i don't sit here and want to pick it to pieces um it's a good graphic for what it is but uh a lot of people, you know, and especially at things like little neighborhood parties, and I say, oh, you're into crypto. What do you think about that dog coin, you know, and the Shiba Inu? I, I bought, so, you know, $1,500. Some guy two years ago said that he bought $1,500 worth of Shiba Inu um, when I, at a, some kind of neighborhood block party. And 
I mean, I, it's not my deal, man. I would not go into you know like meme coins. And I told him such. I was like, I said, meme coins aren't really what I do. It's you know, yeah, I'm in it for the tech, literally. You know, like I'm in it for like Web three and like connecting the internet to the blockchain and stuff like that. But he, I mean, he dropped fifteen hundred dollars in Shiba Inu, and that guy is probably doing very, very, very well now because that was before Shiba Inu spiked up. And if he sold. Then he's doing very well. If he didn't sell, well, yeah, whatever. But hey, he's probably still doing all right. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> um, but he got into it with the idea of a casino in mind. And that's the way a lot of people get into crypto and the blockchain and stuff like that. They think of it as a casino, you know, and uh, it, this, yeah, and those people do not add value to the space, you know, um, and they basically help to highlight and reinforce the criticisms that crypto is just a place of where you're going to get scammed as for scammers, grifters and um, irrational speculators and stuff like that. So, you know, but here is a good graphic that really kind of highlights what to me crypto is about. Um, there is, you know, Web3, there's blockchain and there's crypto. And then this Venn, Venn diagram shows an overlapping of them. And I know I was talking about Web3 and Web3.0, the last show I did. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, how there are differences. Web3 is the, uh, the, uh, the new version of the internet that is connected to the blockchain. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, with through DApps and DeFi and you know the metaverse and all that type of stuff. And Web 3.0 was supposed to be the next iteration of the blockchain, and it was supposed to be the semantic web and um, knowledge graphs and and not just documents linked to each other, but topics and people linked to each other in a way. So. <clears throat> that was supposed to be Web3. Well, now they're kind of both merging. So we have Web3 on the blockchain, and then we have things like you know database technology, uh, the meta tags, and 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 um, AI all blending together, bringing Web3.0 and Web3 together. So blending Web3.0 and Web3 in the blockchain and crypto all together along with a little bit of sprinkle of AI in there and then you have this like new version of the internet. So this yes, this graphic is a little simplistic, but I'm not going to criticize it because it caught my attention and made me read this. Okay, so I will read this here. It says 90% of people won't get this important distinction about blockchain crypto and web3. Will you? He said, I saw this diagram floating around on Twitter and it sends an important message. Not all web3 thinking must be anchored by blockchain and crypto. Right. And that's what the distinction that I was trying to get. Um, I was trying to say the last episode when I was talking about Web 3.0. So I think he's really trying to say not all. Yeah. Web 3, you know, and Web 3.0 aren't the same things right now, but I think they will be the same thing soon. But not all Web3 thinking has to be anchored by blockchain and crypto. And that's Web3.0 to me, the semantic web. And that's what Tim Berners-Lee, you know, supposed one of the inventors of the internet, um, you know, had in mind for the internet to be this decentralized web of ideas all linked to each other, of identities all linked to each other. Um, and so anyway, so not all blockchain propositions require cryptocurrencies or are enablers of Web3. And I started with Tim Berners-Lee's new project called Solid, and I'll get to that in a second. But that's kind of an, 
a, a manifestation of exactly that, that that's a, a Web3 idea that doesn't require blockchain or crypto. And technically, although more of a stretch, not every cryptocurrency requires a blockchain. That's interesting. Okay. And he references uh, Weir from 1934. Okay, well, I'll have to look into that one. Okay, <clears throat> the more important point here is to not to try to conflate these three terms, or rather understand the digital capabilities or components of each, and then describe what you're trying to achieve with as little jargon as possible. And it is hard when you're talking about new innovative spaces to not use jargon and buzzwords and things like that, um, because it becomes real easy to fall into the buzzword trap, and I try not to. Um, I, that's why I try to explain every buzzword that I that I mention as I go along without getting too deep into a backstory. Anyway, so Web3, a vision, so he defines Web3 as this, a vision and a set of principles outlining a more decentralized internet where the individual has more control over their own data and governance is more open and transparent. It is technically possible to enable Web3 principles without the blockchain. And that is how Web 3.0 started. And that's how the web was originally envisioned. They didn't have any ideas of the blockchain back then. They just wanted a decentralized, open, transparent web where everybody had control of their own data. And that's it, it started out that way. But then Web 2.0 happened. And then we got these centralized, controlled silos um, because people weren't able to basically create their own websites. Not everybody was. So you had services and platforms do it for you, like Facebook and MySpace and stuff like that. But then as a result, they kept your data. And so they started stockpiling and accumulating your data and then selling your data and everything like that and using your data for advertising and making tons and tons and tons and tons of money off of your data. And then that's Web 2.0 and everything got siloed and with the idea of web the, the decentralized Web 3.0 died. All right. So that's what, but this is what Web 3 is now. Um, the whole idea of connecting your wallet and uh, using that wallet now to accumulate data about yourself, like the whole ideas of Web 3 IDs, of, of POAPs, the proof of attendance protocol, NFTs, of NFTs, and uh, things like that that you can take with you and go to another platform or from wallet to wallet. That And having control of your data, that is Web3, and it does not necessarily always need to involve the blockchain or crypto um, because you can create those links between data without using the blockchain by using things like called ARDF and JSON documents and OWL and stuff like that. And it's like meta tags. Um, so anyway... Um, and th those are tags uh, in the code that you don't see on the screen, but they're up at the top of, of you know, in, in the code. So anyway, uh, blockchain. So it says there's Web3, there's blockchain and cryptocurrencies. So he defines blockchain as this. So uh, for, hold on. He defines Web3 as a, set of, a vision and set of principles outlining a more decentralized internet where the individual has more control over their own data and governance is more open and transparent. Okay. And then he defines blockchain as a decentralized data platform secured by a global network of validators that may or may not allow users to interact with a decentralized applications and smart contracts, right? So a blockchain is a way to create truth through decentralized set of validators. And um, yeah, so you, know, you have not just one server of data 
that controls all the data and controls the source of truth. You have a decentralized network of computers all over the world that control that source of truth and that allow users to interact with it and to um, store smart contracts on and use those smart contracts. And that's what Ethereum is. Ethereum is a, a world computer, a world network of computer with smart contract with a smart contract sitting on the uh, on those computers and uh, when the smart contract gets activated it goes all around that network of computers and every computer says yes this is correct and that's what a blockchain is and it adds those transactions and uh, to the block and and uh, yeah um, so and then the next thing is uh, cryptocurrencies and he defines cryptocurrencies as digital tokens that can be issued uniquely identified transferred and in some cases burned all secured via via cryptographic algorithms and I said before cryptographers do not like the um, idea of cryptocurrency and um, it's because a lot of grifters and scammers and uh, uh, speculators have ruined it for a lot of people. Um, there's just kind of the sliminess of, of a lot of these tokens that come out that are made specifically for just the idea of making money. And cryptographers, they're nerds, man. They're into it for the Merkle trees, man. They're into it for the, the ZK proofs and ZK snarks and all that stuff and ZK starks and zero knowledge type of stuff. And they're, they're into it for that. They're into it for cryptography. And then, you know, but the thing is, is the, the invention of cryptocurrencies has pumped more funding into cryptography than there has ever been and brought cryptography into the public eye and to the need for cryptography and to the realization of the need for electronic cash and digital cash. And as we move in to 100% to the digital space and as the central bank digital currency is looming over us to bring in a social credit system and control our lives and control every aspect of what we do, where we go, how much we spend, how much we make and everything like that, the idea of an anonymous digital cash becomes a more and more attractive the more we understand it. And crypto cryptography is the foundation and the bedrock behind that. And cryptocurrencies are as well. So if other cryptos, cryptocurrencies can't exist, and then the central bank digital currency comes down and lands here, then we're screwed. You know, so we have to to keep innovating cryptocurrencies. So anyway, so then he goes on. So Web3 block and plus blockchain. So you can have, look, you have in this Venn diagram, you can have Web3 and blockchain. You can have blockchain and crypto and crypto and Web3. So Web3 plus blockchain, blockchain platforms that are designed. Uh, so Web3 and blockchain are blockchain platforms that are designed and whose functionality involves evolves in line with Web3 principles. These could be operated without the need for crypto. E.g., an example like no fees, you know, no tokens, private networks. <clears throat> so yeah, you know, that that's a way that Web3 and blockchain could actually work without the need for cryptocurrencies. And there are some projects like that. Um, and then there's blockchain and crypto. So issuance and interaction with a cryptocurrency or digital assets on one or across many blockchain platforms and wallets. Um, so yeah, that would be like Bitcoin, you know? Um, it's strictly a transactional cryptocurrency. And yes, people have built layers on top of it, like Counterparty and the Lightning Network even, um, and put try to put smart contracts on top of Bitcoin. But Bitcoin's not really made for that. Bitcoin is simple. It's straight up blockchain and cryptocurrency. And it is, it is you know, for digital transactions, digital cash, you know? And yeah, I mean, I am... 
I'm becoming more and more of a Bitcoin maximalist in a way, um, the further I go, although I do see the merits of smart contracts and of decentralized ID and of you know decentralized finance and everything like that. Um, but to me, there's nothing that is uh, more true um, and true to the course than Bitcoin and more decentralized and more secure. Okay, and then the last one uh, is uh, Web3 and crypto. So you can have Web3 and crypto without blockchain. All right, so usage of crypto or digital assets to enable particular Web3 principles or experiences. Example given, providing economic security of applications or platforms, issuing tokens to individuals in exchange for participation. All right, so Web3 and crypto. So providing economic security applications or platforms, issuing tokens to individual in exchange for participation. Interesting. So without the blockchain. Um, so what's your take on these segments? Are there any that you disagree with or would prefer to reword? Well, okay, so I was talking about Tim Berners-Lee and the Web 3.0 semantic web and things like that and the the difference of the semantic web versus Web 3. So Web 3 is, is um, a new version of the internet based on the blockchain and based on crypto. And Web 3.0 was supposed to be you know, based on the idea of... Um, machines being able to talk to each other through data and the data being able to interact with each other and link to each other rather than just entire documents. And um, so, but Tim Berners-Lee wanted to do this without blockchain. And so there's an article here and I talk, I briefly touched on it the last episode. Um, I'm almost out of time, but uh, I want to just read this again real quick in this episode. So Web3 could become a dystopian nightmare if flaws aren't fixed. Web3 is poised to change how the internet works a few years from now. However, there are flaws that must be addressed. Okay, so uh, Web3, the third generation of the internet is driven by oh, this. Ah, oh, man, this is not it. Okay, but this does explain real quick. Web3 and Web3.0 are synonymous today, but this wasn't always true. And, and they're not synonymous. In the mid-2000s, the phrase Web3.0 was originally used in conjunction with Sir Tim Berners-Lee idea of a semantic web. Um, so some of the major concepts of Web3 are decentralization, uh, protocols and codes. They must be open and transparent apps and networks managed by the user. Um, so this principle is classified as a techno-utopian desire. The majority of people will be uninterested in rule changes or contentious issues and sh to show up and vote on them. Uh, that community governance is difficult and at best at times adding a money component raises the risk of disaster. So yeah, there's Web3 and blockchain without the, without the use of a token. Um, and then trust but verify. But hold on, let me see here. Um... Yeah, Tim Berners-Lee says, screw Web3, my decentralized internet doesn't need blockchain. And the decentralized internet that he's talking about is called Solid. And um, Solid is, a, is an internet that uses um, what they are calling pods. And uh, that's where every user can have have their own little pod. So imagine like in the Japanese airport or something like that. Yeah, you, you know, each traveler has their own little sleeping pod, right? And they have those. Well, he envisions envisions, sorry, I can't say that. He envisions an internet where every 
person has their own little personal internet purse. I guess that's the, <laughs> that's the best way to say it. Their own little internet purse where they can keep all their data and all their photos and all their likes and all their, you know, everything that they do on the internet. And it, it, it's attached in their little pod and their internet purse. And um, so whenever you go to a new platform, like if you were to leave Facebook and you could take all your data and all your likes and everything with you and you could move it over to another platform. Or if if uh, you create a website, you know, um, you could take some bits from your bio on your pod or you could take and you could take bits from somebody else's web you know, pod and some information about them, maybe a restaurant they opened. And then you could take that information and the way that they formatted it and and uh, written about it and the information that they've created you can use that information with their permission, of course, and plug it into your website and it's 100% accurate because currently with the way the web model is, is say, for instance, I have a pizza restaurant. Well, that pizza restaurant is on you know Yelp. That pizza restaurant is on Facebook. That pizza restaurant is on LinkedIn. And that pizza restaurant is on all these different places but there might be slight differences and nuances in the information might not be accurate. I've had to enter it three times. Somebody else may have written about my pizza restaurant, you know, and it's just like just a mess of just repetitive and redundant information. Well, if what web three does, it allows that information to be all gathered from one source and linked to another source. So if I wanted to, to link information or if somebody else wanted to link information about my restaurant, all they have to do is go to my pod and sign the permission and get all that access and then just plug it into their web page and there it is. Um, so that's kind of the idea behind Web3. But web, Tim Berners-Lee wants to do it without blockchain. He says, screw Web3, my decentralized internet doesn't need blockchain. And let's see why real quick because you know, it kind of seems like harsh language there. Tim Berners-Lee, inventor of the internet, um, not Al Gore. Um, you know, like I said, uh, he does get credit for inventing the internet, not Al Gore, Tim Berners-Lee. Uh, I think it's more of a collective DARPA project, you know, um, but uh, what do I know? Um, web inventor Tim Berners-Lee wants to rescue his creation from centralization, but does he align himself with the Web3's promise of salvation? All right, so nope is, is the answer. Tim Berners-Lee wanted to build it on a platform he calls Solid, but you can call it Web 3.0. So that's Solid is this platform that I was talking about, about the pods. And uh, it uses existing. So the good thing about Solid is um, all this stuff that we want to do to create this, this new internet is already there. And it's already there through the World Wide Web Consortium, the Web 3 uh, W3C, W3C. So let me pull that up. W3C, the World Wide Web Consortium, and that's just basically the standards organization for the internet. So if you are familiar with ANSI standards, ISO standards, and anything like that, standards are a way for a lot of different and even competing entities to all agree on some kind of way of doing things. Like for instance, railway standards. You know, there are a lot of different rail cars out there. There's Southern Pacific, there's uh, I don't know, Georgia Pacific. There's all types of other rail companies, but they all use the same rails, right? And so they all have to create their trains 
with the exact same set of standards to ride on that set of rails. And that's basically what W3C is, is trying to do. They're trying to create the rails for the internet in order for all these different entities to be able to work together. And that's basically what solid is, is uh, they are trying to ride those rails created by the W3C and through these uh, data standards that are being written into websites. It started with XML as, as the metadata, meta, metadata to be able to say what is in a web page <clears throat> without necessarily putting it on the web page screen so the machines can talk to each other. You know, so the machine, when it reads a web page, the computer, when it reads a web page, will look at the metadata rather than look through all the content and it will see what's in the metadata and it will categorize things according a lot of times to that metadata. Well, there's been a lot of problems with that and uh, a lot of argument about the standards and a lot of people doing uh, malicious things like keyword stuffing in order to get to the top of the search engines and stuff like that, trying to just put tons of random keywords that have nothing to do with the website. So there's been a lot of controversy and arguments and everything about that. And there's been about two decades worth of, of, of fighting about what's going to be the standards. And they're, they're really starting to settle down now. And uh, you know ARDF and JSON LD and stuff like that are have are starting to become these data standards. And um, well, Solid is using these these standards now to be able to kind of reinvent the idea and bring back the idea of the semantic web. So semantic, what is semantics versus syntax? Syntax is the order of things um, in a sentence, you know, like noun before verb or whatever, you know, verb before noun and, you know, all the participles and things like that. Uh, and then a, sem a, a semantic doesn't really focus on the order of the components of a sentence. It focuses on the meaning of a sentence. And that's what Web 3.0 is trying to bring in through a lot of the metadata is so the machines can determine the meaning of something of, of a web page and be able to tie the meaning of one web page to another web page. And then they can in turn start assembling their own web pages. Then you have Skynet, right? Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Tim Berners-Lee of a vibrant web for all is solid and it does not incorporate blockchain. Solid is a technology for organizing data applications and identities on the web. Solid, solid enables richer choices for people, organizations, and app developers by building on existing web standards. So he's trying to use these already existing Web3 standards right here to build solid and then use these pods to do so. And he's bypassing blockchain. He does not want blockchain. I think that if you combined blockchain uh, with something like these W3C standards and, and put them together, then you have something that can work. Because the problem with solid is who's going to host your data? Who's going to pay for that storage? You know, you, you know, it's supposed to be open source, but, uh, you know, somebody's got to spin up that server, you know, and <laughs> so... Yeah, and, and what is their incentive to do so? With blockchain, the incentive to do so is the cryptocurrency is the incentive to run that node. 
and create the validator node with with just a pod who's going to to pay out of pocket to to create these pods that's what i don't understand and and so you know maybe somebody can can fill me in here but yeah who's going to pay for that data storage anyway let's go on to see here what tim Berners-Lee says so he wants to build build it on a platform but you can call it solid but he, he wants to build it on a platform called solid but you can call it web 3.0 and in quotes we did talk about it as Web 3.0 at one point because Web 2.0 was a term used for the dysfunction of what happens when user-generated content on with user-generated content on the large platforms. He said, and yeah, the Web 2.0 is a dysfunction with the large data accumulation of Google and of YouTube and everything like that, and the control they have over that data and the censorship control that they have over that data, as we've seen recently, you know, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's just pretty just gross violations of people's you know freedom of expression, you know, <laughs> of of censorship that's happening right now with Web 2.0. And think about this too: all these entities like Google, Google and YouTube and Twitter and everything, they have these huge, large server farms, right? And as we move into the next paradigm shift of technology, we're in installing all these IoT devices on everything from coffee makers to cars to large industrial machinery. And what do these IoT devices, it stands for Internet of Things, what do they do? They collect data. And where is that data stored? They're stored in these large data farms right now. Well, as we collect more and more data and we're going to exponentially create more and more data where are we going to store all that data? We can't, there's not enough room in all these data farms to store. It has to get decentralized. It has to go towards web 3.0. It has to be stored on everybody's computers, not just in data centers. Um, so there, it'll use way too much power if we try to do it that way. You know, it, 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 it just, we won't be able to do it. You know, we say, ah, it'll never get that way. No, you get, IOT everywhere. You get 5G everywhere. You, you know, you get data collection everywhere in the world. That's a lot of data. And we don't have the processing power to, to handle all that data unless it gets distributed and decentralized. But humans as well, and just you know, one computer or a few computers can't process all that data. So what's going to process that data? AI is going to process that data because humans are, do not have the capability to process that data. And uh, who knows where the world's going to go um, with that? You know, AI has the capability to process tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of data. And we've been able to come up with cures for sicknesses. Uh, we've been able to play chess in ways that we've never been able to do before because of AI uh, being able to process tons and tons of data. But where is that data going to be stored? It's going to be stored on a blockchain uh, all over the world in a decentralized manner because we cannot centralize that amount of data. It's impossible. So people have called. Uh, so let's go on to this article. Bern, Tim Berners-Lee shares Web3's purported mission of transferring data from big tech to the people, but he's taken a different route to target. While uh, Web3 is based on blockchain, Solid is built with standard web tools and open specifications. So he has the right idea to take these Web3 standards and use them to make data all interact with each other and to make machines be able to talk to each other about that data. But like I said, the idea of these pods 
And who's going to store that? So private information is stored in decentralized data stores called pods is what he says, which, which can be hosted wherever the user wants and then can choose which apps can access their data. But like I said, what is the incentive of these people to, to run these pods? You know, are they truly decentralized if there's no incentive for people to run these pods? So this is where cryptocurrency comes into play for me and the blockchain. And I, I, this is where I'm not getting solid. I, I think solid is a good idea. Yes, use use the, the current um, standards that we've spent two decades building up. But who's going to pay for the nodes and for the pods, you know, and for the storage? You know, I'm not doing it for free, you know, so there's got to be some cryptocurrency involved. Uh, so Berners-Lee says solid serves two separate purposes. One is preventing companies from misusing our data for unsolicited purposes, from manipulating voters to generating clickbait. That's good. The other is providing opportunities to benefit from our information. Healthcare data, for instance, could be shared across trusted services to improve our treatment and support medical research. Our photos, meanwhile, could be supplied to Facebook friends, LinkedIn colleagues, and Flickr followers without having to upload pictures to each platform. Yes, that's exactly what Web3 is trying to do with the blockchain, you know, by plugging it into our Web3 ID, into our, our MetaMask wallet, for instance, you know, and take that MetaMask wallet wherever you want to go to whatever platform on the blockchain. But he's trying to do it using these pods. Um, so this invokes Berners-Lee original aim to make a collaborative web tool. I wanted to be able to solve problems when part of the solution is in my head and part of the solution is in your head and you're on the other side of the planet connected by the internet. That was the sort of thing I wanted the web for. It took off more as a publishing medium, but but all is not lost. <laughs> Solid has yet to prove an effective remedy, but the web's father still believes his wayward child can get back on the right track. I think Solid is a good idea on the blockchain <laughs> with, with Web3. I think Web3 and Web3.0 and both ideas of using established standards such as RDF and JSON and stuff like that with the blockchain can work beautifully. And I think a, a really good example of this can be found in Origin Trail, which I think on the next video, I'll probably start diving into Origin Trail a little bit. Anyway, I'm out of time. I'm at 41 minutes. I went 11 minutes over. Um, so... Anyway, uh, yeah, I will talk to you guys uh, probably tomorrow, man. All right, uh, let me get back over. I got. I'm actually going down to my old job today to train my successor. So I'm really diving deep into this space now. Like uh, I literally can't go crawling back to my job now. Um, so because I'll have somebody there as my total replacement. All right, man. Um, well, I will talk to you guys later. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically. If you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.